0: Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Halliwell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver. Welcome back. It is Monday, June 7th, the first show for us in the month of June. I hope you all are well. My name is Parker. You might know me as Parker's Pucks. If you're new here, this is Canucks After Dark, our weekly live show that we do here every Monday night, at ten o'clock, as always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host Canuck Clay Emo. How are you today? I am great, Parker. How are you? I'm pretty good. It is a, a nice day. Weather got good, and uh, yeah. the Canucks didn't lose any spots in the draft lottery, so everything is uh, everything's at, coming up for us. And you have a hundred and thirty-five thousand hit video. Yeah, that was a wild. That was a wild one and 2000 comments with most of them being angry at me, but that's okay. Uh, it's a fun time, but yeah, <laughs> no, I was happy for you, man. That was, that was pretty cool. That was cool to see it, uh, see
1: it blow up as quickly as it did. And, uh, yeah, I, I we can probably talk about what your video was when we get to that mm-hmm. particular series, but I no, I'm happy for you and, uh, no, I was excited. I actually saw a viral video happening right before my eyes.
0: Yeah. So did I, I kept refreshing it and it kept going up um as always uh, of course we see you all in the youtube chat uh, hanging out of course we'll, we read your comments as we go we we see most of them for sure um of course if you're if you're watching this later or you miss any part of the show you can watch it uh, on youtube listen to the podcast all that stuff the podcast is uh it's growing a little bit on the audio side so that's good to see uh so thank you everyone who's listening in that form and who's listening live uh and if you want to follow us elsewhere uh other than this show it's all linked uh in the description uh so you can find it there
1: awesome awesome
0: i was gonna say you just came
1: from the golf course yep i just came from the driving range so one of us played real golf and one of us played fake golf
0: yep no we're getting we're getting all practiced up for the big uh (laughs) the big canucks after dark match potentially later on uh in the summer who knows
1: you know we should, what we should do is uh, we should ask our viewers, our subscribers, our listeners, like someone who's really good, they'd have to be paired with me to make it even, and someone who's not as good paired with you, and we just go. We, that'd be hilarious. Imagine like a little contest. I don't know who'd enter it to go golfing with us.
0: Yeah. That'd be fun, little, actually. A little scramble. Yeah, that'd
1: be interesting for I mean, sure. Pe- once people see me hit, they'll be scrambling to the parking lot to try and get out of there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to keep your hat up out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and while we are here, um, of course, we, we encourage you guys to leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, as always, uh, Gator 92 left a review this week saying best Canucks podcast out there. As a Canucks fan, you can't get better than this. Two Canucks guys talking about Canucks hockey. Clay and Parker rule worth your listen. So thank you very much for that. And if you want your review read right out on the show, uh, you can just uh, go over to Apple Podcasts and uh, hit that five star button and, uh, and leave a review.
1: Awesome. Parker, why don't you stall for a bit? I'm going to
0: make sure that I'm wired and not Wi-Fi. Sure. You do your thing. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So lots of stuff did go on this week. Um, not a ton on the Canucks side. Of course, the only big news of the week was the uh, the Canucks winning, not winning, uh, not going down in the draft lottery, which, lottery, which of course feels like a win uh, for this group, considering the fact that it has just been... Uh, year after year of dropping uh, we're also going to talk about you know who the Canucks could potentially go for um, whether the Canucks would think of trading that pick um, which you know Jim Benning said they're going to be aggressive so it's definitely something to think about there uh, we'll talk about the world championships a little bit Canada uh, taking the gold medal in that one after uh, after losing three straight games to start that tournament uh we'll do of course our regular don't do that segment so i'd start thinking of those now we'll we'll aim for about 10:30 on those so about 25 minutes from now uh and then of course we'll talk about the uh, the nhl playoffs with the uh, the habs finishing the sweep of the jets tonight which uh I don't know about you guys. I didn't see coming. Uh, of course, the Avs in Vegas have put a great series together. Uh, and the Islanders might be putting an upset together here as well uh, in front of our very eyes. And Clay's back. So let's start with talking about uh, a stream we did on Wednesday. Uh, this last Wednesday, we sort of had a Canucks before dark stream. Uh, we were going to co-stream it. Clay had some technical issues with uh, <laughs> with uh, you know, my phone video not working great and people not being able to hear me. Um, but Parker, I am a technical issue. I think that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a fun stream uh, where we where we, uh, we watched the draft lottery live. We had a good stream. We had lots of people turn up for that. Uh, and I was saying it's kind of a win. The Canucks didn't drop uh, in the lo- draft lottery this year.
1: Yeah, you know, we had such good and noble plans, as we always do, to, to hang out and to stream simultaneously. I got all excited. We even met early. And then uh, as it, time got closer to the actual start, You remain composed. I remain composed because I didn't know what I was doing. Actually, you were doing all the work. And then I was happy that we were just combined on one of our streams. That made the most sense. And then we were combined. We were together to watch basically nothing. 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. All as expected.
0: Everyone in order until the Kraken jumped up one spot. And that was it. (laughs) It was literally (laughs) the only thing that happened in the entire draft lottery. We just watched um, uh, Bill Daly just flip cards of the teams in order. um and uh, you know that's nothing super exciting but uh it looks like at the top of the draft uh owen power uh sorry to his career in advance going to the buffalo sabers um that is uh you know it's that's unfortunate for for him uh and you you know you well, i remember you know 2015 uh when when edmonton won the draft lottery and then they had mcdavid on the on the video call and he just looked so sad and i kind of it's kind of you kind of feel the same thing here where it's like these two teams uh just uh kind of yeah. a kind of a disaster
1: imagine if own power just completely duffed the world championships after that just so uh so he might go to Seattle instead. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> just just try to tank his stock, or he could just he could just say I'm not I'm not playing for you guys. I want to go to Seattle. No, that's true, but, uh, and I,
1: I know yeah. we might we might talk about who the Canucks might get. But when you saw them, when you saw the card flip at nine, Parker, as we both did at the same time, was, was you were you more of a, a an emotion of oh good we didn't drop? Was that
0: more than? Oh dang, I wish we we jumped up or what so, was your prevailing emotion? So this is what happens to me every time in the draft lottery. The week yeah. leading up to it, I'm like, ah nothing's gonna happen. And then the day of it, I'm like, well, what if, right? It's like it's like when you um, whenever you go buy a real lottery ticket, and it's like, all right, I've got like one in 20 million chance of winning $50 million. And then you just spend the day daydreaming about the house you're going to have and like the trips you're going to go on. And it never happens. Uh, and it was yeah. sort of sort of the same idea here, right? Where you're like, man, Owen Power, you think of that? Like that would really shore up the blue line. Uh, you know, a real potential, you know, D-man to go along with Quinn Hughes. And then you think, and then of course it doesn't happen. But during the draft lottery, as the cards get flipped up and we saw that you know 10 through 15 or 16 or whatever didn't change right i guess 15 because arizona doesn't have a pick um 10 through 15 didn't change and then we got to nine and i was like well the canucks can't drop right worst case they show up and they did and i was kind of like meh that's about what we thought would happen (laughs) it was the most likely outcome
1: yeah so it sounds like you weren't disappointed you obviously we both would have loved a lottery win but in the end it's where they're they were supposed to be, I guess, and that's that's what we think about, We gotta
0: live with. Yeah, no, I wasn't heartbroken or anything. It was just like yeah. ah, darn, which is, <laughs> you know, that
1: that's what I said too. Darn. So, uh, are you of the the mind that the four defensemen will be gone by the time the Canucks pick, i.e., Pow- whatever order it is, Power Hughes, Clark, and Edvinson?
0: Edvinson. Um yeah. Probably, I mean i think you're gonna you're gonna have at least two of them going in the top four um and then of course everyone's just penciling in luke hughes to the devils right because jack's (laughs) there now if you are the devils i mean i don't think you should put too much stock into him being one of your players brother right at the end of the day like if you have if there's a player who you think is going to be a better player uh, i think you'd be kind of silly to not go that way um and then really the only one left from that group is Brant Clark and yeah. I think he was you know a little more hyped up previously uh, I think he sort of dropped a little bit uh and I think yeah. that's going to hang on I think there might be some teams you know higher up in the draft that might have you know maybe he didn't drop uh, as far, um, so I I do yeah. think it's a pretty good chance that they're all gone. However, if one of them does drop, right? I mean, we're talking about guys who are basically ranked in the top six. We've mm-hmm. seen we've seen people drop three spots before in the draft, and it happens oh, yeah. all the time, right? You know, you had Arizona jumping up to pick Hayton, uh, yep. Barrett Hayton, and then that let Hughes drop to to the Canucks. and yep. so that was that was huge for the team, right? So if you have you know, if, if the Canucks maybe really like Brant Clark, then I'd say there's a reasonable chance that he falls, maybe like a 30% chance that he falls down. Right. Yeah. Cause it just takes a couple of other teams to have maybe like a Kent Johnson higher Cause we've heard lots of good things about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, that just pushes everyone down just a little bit, uh, and gives you the chance to, to pick someone better.
1: Love your point, And I love the potential. You're right. Barrett Hayden, 2018, Maureen Sider 2019. No one expected him to go as high as he did. Right. Yeah. Um, Sider was crazy. So yeah, there's always... And then last year, we didn't even pick the third round, so who cares? So it, you're exactly right, though, because all it takes is for a surprise pick. There's that goaltender, Jesper Waldstad, that some are saying could be a top 10. But it, it's really funny how I, we both admit that prospects aren't our cup of tea. We, we can learn about them. We can learn about them quickly. But as soon as we knew we were locked in at nine, boom, we're kind of looking around trying to learn about these top nine guys, yeah. right?
0: Like <laughs> Well, and I mean, and you mentioned uh, the goalie there. You mentioned Jasper yeah. Wal uh, Wallstedt, I guess his name is. Uh, haven't yeah. done haven't done a ton of research, but I mean, you look at the teams picking ahead of Vancouver, right? You got Detroit. but They don't really have a goalie of the future. Um, mm-hmm. San Jose is a disaster in net. Uh, mm-hmm. L.A. After Jonathan Quick is, you know, he doesn't have a. He only has a couple of years left, probably. Right, like yeah. one of those teams, if they think this is a future number one guy, uh, like Spencer yeah. Knight um, last year or the year before, uh, whichever that was, um, then, you know, I, not too crazy to think that one of them might go up, especially if, like, their goalie coach, you know, is maybe really high on a guy. Um, I'm sure he would have a a say in that. And, uh, you know, uh, and again, you get one of those moving up, you have, you know, like a Kent Johnson moving up, and then, you know, one of those defense, uh, one of those D-men are are basically right there for the taking at eight, and then maybe nine.
1: Exactly. And for those of you... Oh, by the way, C edits and Fangirl said they never golfed before, so they might be the ideal partner for you to even it <laughs> out. But we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, so we talk about the, these big four D, and then there's there's this thought that this guy named Matthew Benares is going to be uh, the other top two pick. So really, uh, you, and you mentioned a couple of these guys. Whether it's Kent Johnson, who's actually from uh, the North Shore, whether it's a guy named Der- uh, you know um, Günther, what's his first name? Uh, Dylan. Dylan Günther. Dylan Günther. And then I know there's that uh, there's the um, there's Mason McTavish, and then there's that other kid. Uh, we, is it William Eklund from Sweden? So those are kind of like the yeah. five forwards with the 4D. And then you're right, throw in Jesper Wallstedt, and there's probably your top 10, barring Around a surprise yeah. pick or yeah. two. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, and we've talked here and before, Parker, about the. you can't really say the Canucks have a huge need because they need everything. They could yeah. still use top six score, they could still use bottom six depth, they could use a, a, a great you know top 4 D D-man. So the only place they probably don't have to look is in goal with with Demko yeah. Petru and Silovs. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And whether it's, you know, even if you're getting a guy who can you can maybe slot in as a middle six forward um, you know, next year, like that's a big big addition. I don't I think picking 9 you might not get a guy who's going to slot in this year, but you might, right? They're going to come to camp, they're going to get a shot. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I'm, I'm of the sort of impatient mind at this point. I'm like, well, if the Canucks are going to try to do something, let's get a guy who's going to play this year. Cause it's fun. Right. We're yeah. going to have pod yeah. Colson slotting into the lineup this year. Um, maybe like a Lockwood, uh, or someone mm-hmm. like that, uh, Rathbone coming in, uh, and playing more games. Um, you know, I'm just, just give us, give us more fun at this point because I, <laughs> my, my thoughts, my, you know, my dreams for this season aren't super high. So let's, let's get all the fun in there that we can. Uh, And if that's new players and new young, exciting players, then that works for me. Let's be realistic. Let's have fun because
1: the next summer is going to be really fun. When Roussel, Beagle, Erickson, Holtby, and Cap recapture penalty come off the books, 20 million. That's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, that will be good. And then two years after that, when the cap starts to go up again, (laughs) it will be nice as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, that will be fun you know hopefully we're just we're going on the upslope here um and i mean i think i speak for everyone let's just i hope this is the last time we're talking about a top 10 pick for a while um yeah let's let's yeah. get some good uh, competitiveness and and you know what maybe we aren't talking about a top 10 pick this year maybe the canucks do make a move um what are your thoughts on you know some potential there
1: yeah, it's funny. I was going to ask you the same thing, and and we didn't even compare notes before we started talking because we both showed up like three minutes before we supposed to... Uh, just kidding. Um, you were here at least five minutes early. But I, I'm i of the mind. I don't think you trade this pick. I, For me, maybe they're not about pleasing me, but last year, because we didn't pick into the third round and we picked Yoni Yermo, the finished defenseman, right? Like Oli Levy, part two. I, I was pretty disinterested in last year's draft, to be honest with you, Parker. And again, it's not... They're not doing this to entertain Clay Emo, but... I think when you look at, and I think we've talked about this, the fact that the Rathbones, Coles and the are up with the main club and we expect them to fully make the team. Then when you look at the prospects, it's not that great. There's Di Pietro, there's maybe an Aiden McDonough, maybe a Jet Wu and Lockwood, Lynn Gajevich, but they're okay. But they're, none of those guys are, are you know franchise changers or even game breakers. So maybe, maybe, maybe I would keep Number nine, I, I wouldn't even entertain trading down. I want to keep that top 10 pick mm-hmm. and uh, and and start to slowly build. But you're right. If this guy comes in and potentially even surprisingly makes the lineup, then that's awesome. But I, I think given our track record, given the way we develop our guys, I think we realistically got to look at waiting for one more year for this player to actually come in the lineup.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing about when your prospects do graduate, right? You just start to run out of them. Uh, And the the issue with the Canucks having their prospects graduate is that they're graduating and the Canucks are still like, they still have a lot of, like a lot of work to do. Right. Um, And a big, a big thing for playoff teams is having players who are cost controlled going into those playoff runs. Right. If you can have a Vasily Colson who maybe two years from now is like a, you know, 50 point player. And making less than a million dollars a year, right? Yep. So much value. That opens up so much potential for your team. But if you start trading away these guys and just have empty cupboards, and then you know, you're basically having that's the other thing about it, right? Like if if they were to say trade the trade the ninth overall pick and get like a 26-year-old player who's really Mm -hmm. good, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you're really putting a window on yourself, right? Like you're really tightening (laughs) the gap. It's like, all right, well, you guys got like you guys got like four years now right right like that's that is now your window because you're not going to have a prospect graduating a year from now uh cost controlled who might make a really good impact you have this guy who's going to start declining in three or four years and you know who knows what kind of contract he's on and it's just you know it's 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 a it's not even a win now move it's a win enough games to make the playoffs now move and then probably right. lose in the first round, anyways, because you know, you know, you put this team against a Colorado or Vegas, and it's just it's going to be a bloodbath. Well, I know we're going to
1: talk about that those teams later, but that that series is amazing. Mm-hmm. Are you worried though? You bring a great point, Parker. Are you worried, given that we know not so much Travis Green because he can only coach the players that he has. He's not the one making trades. Are you worried that Jim Benning, whether it has to do with the draft or free agents, are you worried that he is going to go to win now mode, given that he's got two years left on his contract and he's already said. That the stated goal is to make the playoffs
0: this upcoming season. I have never stopped being worried. Um <laughs> and I mean, I mean, we think about it, right? Like what is the Jim Betting has always said, you know, I want to get more draft picks. That's my specialty, is drafting. And then yeah. but yeah. The, the proofs in the pudding, and he just hasn't, right? Uh from yeah. year one, every move that has been made has been to compete uh, as soon as possible, right? It's been we're gonna turn this team around quick and make the playoffs. It didn't work. And now we're looking at it now, and it's like, all right, well, let's turn it around quick and make the playoffs. And I don't think you can't go into a full rebuild again. Let's be real, because um, mm-hmm. I mean, just wouldn't it just wouldn't work? Um, but I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's just gonna like <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like I, I, I just don't. I don't have the trust. I, I think the fact the fact that it's such a tight window of okay we need to start making moves to make the playoffs but the problem is the moves that help you make the playoffs free agency which has been a disaster uh, and trades which have been fine i would say lots of misses some good hits kind of 50 50 right basically every trade that gets made is like like you hear like oh the canucks have made a trade or it's like you know canucks trade for x player and the return hasn't come out yet and you're just like okay please have made a good deal like you never know right <laughs> meanwhile if you're a fan of like colorado and you hear that Sakic has made a trade you're uh, like oh yeah. this is probably good for us right <laughs> like, yeah exactly and it, and it is every time uh, the rich get richer yeah so you know yeah. y- you have you have gms who are good at certain things and uh yeah. i don't i just don't current i just don't really see the, the potential really for, for Jim to sort of turn it around and be it, uh, the one that can put the pieces around this core and really build that contender just because he hasn't proved it. That's a very fair point. And Parker, when people
1: ask me, how would you evaluate Jim Benning's tenure? You, you kind of hit it at this, but I, I always break it down. There's way more than this, and this is admittedly an oversimplification, but I always break it down into drafting trades and free agency. And drafting, I'd say overall it's been good. Like overall, because you look at Hughes, Pedersen, Besser, uh, Puckholz, and Hoglander, Demco. There's a lot of good wrathbone, There's a lot of good there. So let's say I give the draft one a pa- uh, this draft, the drafting a passing grade. I give us trades. Kind of, you hinted at it. Kind of even. There's been some good ones where we've you know we McCann to for Garant's bad, but Garant's turned to Pearson good. The mm-hmm. the trades actually for Levo was pretty good. You know yep. those kind of depth forwards. And then you're right. You go into free agency, and that's where. It either letting guys go. And I know we're going to talk about two of them in different parts of the show, whether you're letting guys go or you're signing guys to be contracts. So that's a failing grade. So that's why I always say he's kind of like right in the middle. I say his drafting is good. His free agency is bad and his trades are kind of neutral. Granted, there are way more elements to running a team, but that's kind of like my very oversimplified look at things.
0: Yeah. And the thing is like, I can concede that Jim Benning is an average GM and I think that's at best, mm-hmm. but it, uh, Let's say let's say he's middle. Let's say he's the sixteenth best GM in the league. Well, we well the goal is to have the best team in the league, right? Yeah. So the sixteenth best GM isn't going to cut it if we're going to try to you know if you want to win a Stanley Cup, you probably need like a top six GM. Um, Yeah. Because really, you you see teams like Colorado, which are built for like they are built to win, right? Mm -hmm. But if you think about the long term, right? How long is a Stanley Cup window? four years maybe yeah
1: if that yeah and then you yeah.
0: make the playoffs and you have to win you know four straight series best of sevens your odds of winning aren't higher than 25 each year right so even the best teams the best assembled teams most of them don't win right like most yeah. teams don't yeah. win in their windows and we saw it with washington in washington's window they didn't really win, right? They won it like a yeah. e- like a year after everyone expected their window to end. Um yeah. and we saw obviously Vancouver 10 years ago, right? That team was was built to win and it didn't happen. And we see it yeah. time and time again where, you know, the the best teams don't always win, but you got to give yourself the best shot possible.
1: Yeah, fascinating point about window and and things because I've seen arguments where Washington it took a while for the Ovechkins in the backrooms of the world to mature. And then they were good. You're right for the, that, that small window and they won one, you know, Pittsburgh, you could say they're in the middle Like Crosby was good uh, early, but it they, they took a while for that team to mature. But then you look at team like Chicago who did it while Taves and Kane were quite young. So there, there's no magic formula that says all you guys got to be 25 and older. Cause Chicago proved against that, but uh, there is something to be said about there has to be some maturity, but you look at the teams and I know we're going to talk about these juggernauts in Tampa and Vegas and Colorado. Uh, They got well, Vegas got quick, good, really quick. It's uh, I'm envious, man. I'm that's what I am. I'm envious. When I see the level of hockey that's being played in the playoffs, the Canucks would get crushed out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. And yeah that's the thing right like you you again i keep going back to colorado but you look at colorado and they're so well built and it's like yeah well they still yeah. they still have to get through i mean if boston had made it that would be a tough matchup tampa bay right. vegas like there's still there's more than one good team at a time right like if yeah. toronto had made it forward we'd have been like okay toronto might put up a decent fight against colorado um yeah. now i think in the next round it's going to be you know colorado montreal and i'm or vegas montreal and i think yeah. either way you go it's going to be a Ooh, it's going to be a disaster. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, that's sort of, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I, if we go back to sort of our original point, which was like about potentially trading the ninth pick, I think it's just, right. it's such a, it's such a window condensing move. And that's sort of what we're yeah. trying to get at here is the, you're only, you only get a few chances. Your window is only X amount of time and you want that window to be as big as possible because you need as many yeah. shots as you can get. To, to potentially win a Stanley cup and giving yourself a two or three year window. Even if you made the best team in the NHL, you just have to lose one series each year, right? Like that's all it takes. Yep. Yep.
1: You're right. I know we're seven minutes early, but trading your top 10 pick for a chance to maybe make the playoffs and shorten your window.
0: Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't no, do that. it's, don't do that. it's short sighted and yeah and it, i mean of course it depends on the return right like if we're talking about like a really really good player then okay yeah. sure right like a, a good <laughs> young player but i don't think that's what you're getting for 9 right you're probably no, getting no, no. you're probably getting a guy in his mid 20s yeah. um like mid to late 20s um that Parker i heard yeah the one
1: the one other podcast i do listen to that's not ours well uh, sorry i i here just in case anyone's listening i do jump in and out of other podcasts but the one i do listen to vancast as you know and thomas drance and jeff Ashton made the point that the only trade for like a a top 10 pick for player the only one they can think of in the recent history is schneider for the ninth overall pick that turned into Horvat. they're basically saying you rarely see a top 10 pick traded for just a player straight up it's always this pick plus a player equals this player this pick plus another pick plus a prospect equals a player so I'm 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 agreeing with you that we shouldn't expect and that's why it's rarely done is Mm -hmm. how because GMs are they've they know they exactly what you're saying is you're rarely going to get equal value back if you trade away your top 10 pick
0: yeah absolutely I mean like Jeff Carter was one in 2011 Ah. um Ruslan Fedotanko in 2002 for the fourth (laughs) overall pick but yeah like it doesn't it doesn't happen a lot right uh, and I mean, Fedotenko was only like 23 at the time. So again, mm. if you're getting like a young good player, then sure, it makes sense. But like as you said, if you go back and you redo that, like that Schneider for Horvat trade, like yeah, Schneider was an excellent goalie, Um yeah. But that he didn't didn't last long, right? Like Schneider was what, yeah. like 28 at the time, 27 maybe. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you're at that point where you're at the risk of a decline, no matter how good a player is at 28 years old. They could be mm. two years away from just a, a steep, you know, a steep cliff. I mean, think of Louis Erickson, right? He goes yeah. in at the age of twenty nine, puts up thirty goals, and the Canucks are like, oh, here's thirty six million dollars, and then he scored. He hasn't even scored that many in the in the six years since, or in the four five years <laughs> since, whatever it's been. But like, yeah, you know, declines happen, and uh, and they can be dramatic. And I don't think, you know, I, I don't think you risk it uh, giving up your your ninth pick. Great point. Great point. Let's do five minutes on the World Championships
1: before we we take our mid break. Um, what do you think? What were, were you impressed? Were you happy? What was your?
0: How were you feeling? Yeah. So I'll be honest. World Championships didn't watch much of it. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that they had lost the first three games. Like, wow, that sucks. And then I just stopped paying attention. And then I saw on Twitter. I think the semifinal game was at like four a.m. So yeah. I was like, I'm not watching that. Uh, and then. Uh, so I, you know, I saw all the updates as they went and then I knew they're in the gold medal game, uh, yesterday, uh, and yesterday I I'm golfing again yesterday. And, uh, and it was, uh, kind of in the morning and I get it. I'm like just on Twitter, you know, just like walking up the, up the fairway. And I look and I'm like, Oh, they're in overtime. So I pull it up on my phone. Cause it's three on three, yeah. three on three international hockey overtime, like on the yeah, big ice. <laughs> like I'm like, all right, I'm watching this. And they scored within yeah. like a minute of when I turned it on. Um, yes it's good. But no, like it's it's great that they won. Uh good for Roberto Luongo, GM of that team. Yeah. Now being the GM of a international Canada team might like I could do that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you just you just pick the best players, <laughs> really, right? There's no trade story about no contract story about right. It's like let's just assemble a good team, call some guys, yeah. say, Hey, you want to come to Latvia, and then you bring them out um gerard gallant though i mean obviously uh, without a coaching gig right now after uh, a couple of rough uh, rough stints uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and he goes out and you know loses three games at the start of the at the start of the championship i'm sure some people are thinking wow maybe he just doesn't have it anymore and this canada mm-hmm. team clearly doesn't have it because this is canada's like d team basically you know yeah. you have the basically the Sens second or third line out there scoring goals um, yep. for them and uh, but yeah battled back won every game that they needed to after losing the first three and uh, you know that definitely you know speaks volumes
1: yeah what's crazy is you're right they lost the first three they actually needed help to get into mm-hmm. the actual next round between some latvia game where something happened but it worked out then in the quarterfinal that one went to overtime and that's the one where stetcher Made that amazing play, that that toe drag move to set up. Uh, I think it was Maggio Pony. Maggio Pony, Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. And Canuck killer. And then the you know you're right. The four o'clock semifinal against the U.S. And then this this gold medal game, which was which was pretty crazy. Stetcher on the ice for for the game winner as well. Although it was the two Ottawa forwards, as you mentioned, who made the really good play. And I'm zero percent the type who's crying that Troy Stetcher left. I like him because he's from Richmond. I like him because he was effective. I understand what happened with the negotiation. So uh, for me, it's not even about, oh, imagine what he would look like on our right side. No, I'm past that. I'm just happy for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Mikey DiPietro, who's Canucks property didn't get a chance to play as a third goaltender. I'm happy for Luongo. So there's either former or ex-Canucks. There was some Canuck content on that team, and that's why I'm happy.
0: Yeah, and I mean... The, there's been a lot of discourse the last couple of days about the whole, like, <laughs> would you rather have Stetcher or Myers, even barring contract? And yeah. at the end of the day, like, let's say they had brought back Troy Stetcher. Is Troy Stetcher really that important of a piece to a Stanley Cup contender? Like, look, yeah. right now, Troy Stetcher would be great. But yep. if the Canucks are competing for a Stanley Cup, like, Troy Stetcher is not a huge piece, right? Like, he's we'd be a six, seven at best on a, on a true Stanley cup contender. Now he played for Vancouver in uh, a very low skid for this team. And now he's in Mm -hmm. Detroit where Detroit's basically a disaster still. Um, Yeah. You know, so like he's, yeah, he's a good defenseman. He's he's effective, but like you compare that to like a Travis Hamanick from this year. Right. Uh, And at the end of the day, if you're competing for a Stanley cup, that's not a piece that's going to put you over the top. Right. At the end of the day, it's. I think it's just so much getting worked up over nothing. Uh, for really, I agree. no real reason. I agree with you. And the other, the other
1: thing I want to say is Owen Power, who played with Troy Stecher for a lot of that uh, that tournament. And we, we, you've mentioned him as the number one overall pick. He actually was pretty good in the game. I didn't watch a lot. But in the games that I watched, I was quite impressed with his confidence for such a young player. I think he knows he's going to go number one. Troy Stetcher even tweeted as much. Yep. But, uh, uh, yeah, I do like his game. Very composed. You know, there are a couple of plays that he made in the gold medal game, which uh, he tried one bad pass from his uh, behind his own net. So, uh, maybe that's... a. Uh, whether not so much nerves. I think that's just more of an experience thing or maybe an overconfidence thing, but overall I was, I liked what I saw. I'm uh, not overly flashy, but I'm um, solid. And I think uh, uh, a guy with speed who can skate, uh, sorry, a guy with size who can skate. So excited. Uh, Connects won't get him, but um, it'll be th- that experience will only do uh, work mm-hmm. wonders for him. going Yeah. Forward.
0: At the end of the day, it's a, you know, it's an 18 year old kid getting, yep. getting real adult experience, right? The highest level he's played at is, you know, in college uh which you know there's some there's some bigger guys there right there's guys that are like 21 22 in college um but you know you're getting a chance to play against real nhl players and play with real nhl players right not saying like troy stetcher's a veteran or anything but he's played you know for a while in the nhl i'm sure i'm sure he's got valuable insight for the guy so at the end of the day you know great experience for him Uh, i'll definitely help him uh, going forward and yeah just glad that they were able to pull out a win what's the most exciting thing you did as an 18 year old Granted, that was only four years ago, so or six years ago. I made a lot of pizzas uh, in my in my Panago days. Uh, I not a lot, not a lot exciting. as uh, yeah. an eighteen year old,
1: and I can't remember back then because we didn't have cameras or or uh, any types of uh, ways to keep uh, memories. So yeah, I'll have to take the fourth, take, plead the fourth or fifth or whatever the, the fifth, thing yeah. is on that one. <laughs>
0: We don't have that in Canada, anyways. So that's fine.
1: <laughs> that's true. Yeah, trying to quote an American law. Don't do that. So, no. or American
0: tenant. So, we're at the halfway point. Parker, should we invite some submissions from people? Absolutely. If you guys have your don't do that's of the week, that's the segment yeah. we're doing every week. At around ten thirty, we're about halfway through. Uh, so, if you guys have some don't do that's uh, in this one, then uh, then feel free to to shoot them our way. And maybe while we wait for some of those to come in, uh, I'll read yeah. another Apple Podcast review um from margie with four e's um left a five-star review uh, on apple podcast saying great podcast this podcast is amazing if you love the canucks clay and parker are truly passionate about the canucks they're able to discuss and provide valuable insight on major ins- uh, events involving the Vancouver Canucks. It's very fortunate to have discovered Clay and Parker's channels a couple months ago, and the collaboration is remarkable, uh, especially since they only started in April. Keep up the great work, Parker and Clay. Now, one thing, I thank you very much. That's very kind. Uh, yes. And I do like that you said Canucks a bunch of times in there. That's great for the keywords, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> for the keyword searches. Uh, but no, that's very kind. Uh, thank you very yeah. much.
1: Five stars and four E's. That's pretty good. For three months, for two of us. See what I did there? That's pretty good, eh? Five, four, three, two. Yep. And number one podcast in Taiwan for a bit.
0: A little bit. I think we had two days, maybe one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right, what do we got for Don't Do that. Uh, see edits. I mean, we're, we're. I guess we're gonna relive this one, and we can, you know, segue this into into this uh, this afterwards. But letting Toffoli walk when he's only a phone call away, you know, don't do that. And I mean, scored the OT winner uh, tonight for <laughs> the Habs, making just four and a quarter a year. Uh, yeah, it's gonna hurt for a while.
1: Fangirl winning the draft lottery two or three years in a row. Don't do that. Well, actually, I wouldn't mind doing that. I just yeah, know that'd be good I'd for us. Try and pick better. Yeah, but that's that's fair. And just well, not yeah, that's, that's they, they're changing
0: that's the rules true. next year um, to 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 go against that. But yes, and just
1: incredible sixty five percent of fans who answer Stetcher is a better play than Myers with salary out don't do that. So kind of um, mm-hmm. speaking to your
0: point, now yeah. this was yeah, this was a weird conversation because I thought about it and I was like, okay, so if you take the contracts out of the equation, which is hard, everyone's got that bias built into their minds, right? Mm-hmm. And I I tend to think that Myers is probably better than Stetcher. However. Uh, you know, I saw some analytics get tweeted out that really say the opposite. And I like analytics. I'm an analytics guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, that sort of swayed me a little bit. So I think at the end of the day, again, I think both of them, you probably don't want on a Stanley cup contender. Um, and you know, the Canucks are going <laughs> to, if the Canucks are a Stanley cup contender, they're going to, they're going to have Tyler Myers to deal with. So at Good. the end of the day, yeah, that's, yep. that's all I got there.
1: I like Lucas's here. Uh, he says, uh, going from sweeper to getting swept, i.e. the Jets. Don't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I guess the Jets finished the playoffs four and four.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now we do have, um, there's the potential here and was the potential for, I don't remember what the exact term is, but down goes Brown. Uh, part of the athletic uh, has a, has a term for this that I don't remember. Um, but basically mm-hmm. it is um, the team, like a team sweeps a team in round one then get swept in round two and then they get swept in round three and then they get swept in the finals. Now this happened almost last year. Um, If I can, I'm just going to look up uh, and I'll read a couple more. Don't
1: do that. That's why you do that. See what I did there. Uh, Time for hockey. He loves, I know he loves McTavish, not picking McTavish at nine. If he's available, don't do that. And then uh, he also says, Parker, not making a mock draft. Don't do that. So you got a fan there. Wanting you I to guess do. I got to get and, to work, hey? Yeah. And, um, don't. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny cannot. Don't apply to naked and afraid pretending to be clay. Or maybe he's saying apply to naked and afraid pretending to be clay. Don't do that. Yes. Uh, we had a fun talk about what mm-hmm. reality shows I'd be good at. And unfortunately, naked and afraid up more than once. Uh, but mm-hmm. we will move along to so, keep our so G rating.
0: What I was referencing um so in the fir- in twenty nineteen, the playoffs, Columbus yep. swept Tampa in the first round. Yep. Um and then the problem is Boston beat Columbus four to two in the next round. Um but if it had gone the other way, if it had gone if say Boston okay, and then it went Boston Carolina in the third round. But if Boston yep. hadn't uh Okay, no, okay, sorry. <laughs> Let's go on the other side. Um the Islanders swept Pittsburgh in the first round. Yep. Carolina swept the Islanders in the second round. Yep. Boston swept Carolina in the third round and then St. Louis beat Boston in seven. So if St. Louis ah. had swept Boston in the final, it would have been four sweeps down the line there, uh, which wow. unfortunately, but yeah, so that's got potential this year, right? We had, um, is that have potential this year? Who what was the first round? Oh yeah. The jets swept Edmonton. Yeah. And then yep. Montreal swept the jets. And now in Vegas three, or Colorado, Colorado could easily, yeah, yeah, definitely could sweep, um, Montreal. And then it would it go easy. down to, you would have to have like the Islanders sweeping one of them or something, or Tampa Bay sweeping one of them, which I think is yeah. less likely. Um, <laughs> but it's possible at the end of the day. Um, again, just a little yeah. tangent, but
1: no, yeah. I love it. And I think that's a good segue. Thank you for the, don't do that. So we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> okay. And this one, because you, I referenced your video. Hitting a player after they scored a goal. Don't do that. I.E. Shifley from Petter Hughes.
0: Yes. Yeah. That was, that was an interesting one. I can't, it's still getting comments like to this hour, um, yeah. from, from salty jets fans out. They've been swept. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Let's, let's start there. Yeah. Let's start there. Shifley in that
1: series, make a difference.
0: Um, not? probably a little, but at the end yeah. of the day, I mean, like you know i i don't i don't think one player is flipping three games right maybe it's three one right now the series if shifley plays every game but i think i think one player probably only makes like a three to four percent difference at best dubois
1: Um, did nothing there's a lot of winnipeg jets who didn't do anything
0: no uh yeah at the like really and the jets don't have a you know a ton of um stars right Scheifele is one of their few players who can go out there and score uh and and go out there and work and and get pucks and and make a big difference right and they have connor and ehlers um that can score wheeler of course is decent as well uh but shifley Mm -hmm. was a big part of that right and you you lose your number one center it's not going to help um yes and uh you know he uh he made a bad decision uh it cost his team uh and you know he's not he didn't play again after that Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm uh other anything else stand out to you were you surprised that
1: despite the absence of shifley how easily it seemed easy that montreal handled winnipeg
0: yeah and i mean kind of at the end of the day i i really assumed it would come down to a battle of the goaltenders and you know price was excellent um which is so weird because he's so bad during the regular season like he was a 901 in the regular season right like that's a low-end starter um which is why i kind of gave that edge to to the jets and i said that in my in my second round predictions video is i said i think it's going to come down to price versus hellebuck and i think i give the edge to hellebuck right now right it's not 2015 anymore um and i was wrong about that and you know i and i i still like i still sort of stand with what i said right given given all the information we had at the start of the series we're talking about uh two goalies who have been excellent uh, in the clutch right price has been known for his you know one game you need a save price is your guy i did some math uh hellebuck's been in four must win games like if they lose they're mm-hmm. eliminated he had a 941 save percentage across mm-hmm. those four games so at the end of the day you need you need a goalie to make some saves for you pretty much a wash at the, like when it comes yep. to those games and then you look at the regular season this year and sort of the trend of carry price versus hellebuck hellebuck being younger you know I I went with Hellebuck. I was wrong. Yeah. But I think with the information I had, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. I know. I like Hellebuck too. You guys, you know how much I like the Jets. You know how much I like him because of his work with Dusty. But one thing that stood out to me, and I haven't seen a lot of people talk about this, is the youth of the Montreal Canadiens. When you have Nick Suzuki and you have Cole Caulfield and you have the guy whose name I can't say, those (laughs) three guys alone. Yeah, thank you uh, with the stutter. Three, you know, the, All three of those guys playing in the top nine, I think, in Montreal. And when you look at Winnipeg's guys, well, hardly any forwards were effective, but they don't, maybe they didn't have those, that youthful energy, that almost carefree, never-been-in-the-playoffs-like-this-before kind of attitude. I, I think it served Montreal well, and they just seemed to be the more energetic team. So even a, a great goalie like Hallibut couldn't do everything on his own, and he just had an average series, right? Oh, no, he was fine. Mm. He was fine, but he didn't get enough help
0: yeah and i mean it's it's all about you know the they were kind of too ignorant like the young players right to know any better right they just went out there and they played they didn't feel the the must win pressure because at the end of the day montreal is playing with house money at this point right they were supposed to get crushed by the maple leafs um you know mm-hmm. lots of people uh didn't have them even making the the top four in the division right maybe being around that four or five spot they made the playoffs yep. in that fourth seed they took out toronto they, they were down three one in the series they were completely written off um and then they went out and they won it and then even you go into being up to nothing in the series let's say again playing with house money right we got nothing to lose at this point well now they're after to the third round against a team that like whether it's Colorado or Vegas, they have no right to be in the same arena as basically in the third round. And we'll see <laughs> if that carries forward. Right. I mean, yeah. they've defied the odds at every step of the way. I do think they're, I do think this sort of luck is not luck, but you know, this, this energy that they have, it's going to run out. Right. I, especially yep. if they're, especially against Vegas, I would say like sort of just a big bodying team. Um, But I think Colorado would just skate circles around them anyways.
1: Good, let's move to Colorado, Vegas. I admit Parker when I saw Colorado dismantle the Vegas Golden Knights in game seven one. to one, yep, and what was crazy is these teams tied in points for the regular season. Colorado won on the tiebreaker, they won the president's trophy, but that means Vegas tied them in points. they were just as good and then and then the Colorado uh, you know closer game in game two, but then it's crazy like I watched game four the the Golden Knights made Colorado look slow. They made them look discombobulated, disorganized. And yes, these two teams are so good. And they it's, you know what it's like? Um, I, I was telling this to my, my sons. It's like in roller hockey when you see, when you go to the game early or you, you come out uh, of, your, of the dressing room after your game and you watch the two best teams in the highest tier play. Like that's what it kind of looked like when, mm. compared to like, say the teams that I'm on, and that's what I'm watching when I'm watching Vegas and Colorado, I'm watching the speed, the aggression, the the goal scoring, the goaltending, all those things. It's like ramped up even compared to Montreal, Winnipeg, it seems like it's ramped up a little bit. It's or maybe not it like
0: it's not even the same sport that yeah, they're playing. It's
1: crazy. And that's why I do, I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, with all respect to Montreal, I think they're going to have trouble with whoever wins this series. I don't know who it's going to be now that it's a best of three, basically each home team has won twice. So, um, yeah, that's maybe because of that, the Colorado will, will squeak this out, but, um, it's been amazing. It's been
0: wonderful hockey to watch. Yeah. I think Montreal is kind of in the same spot that the Canucks were last year, right. In the playoffs where it's like, Hey, the Canucks went out and they beat Minnesota as they were supposed to, they kind of upset St. Louis um in, in round one and then they went up against this vegas team and yes the canucks took it to seven games and whatever but yeah. the canucks had no right to be in game seven against vegas right like <laughs> like that like if you look at the shots and the expected goals metrics and all this stuff that series should have been over in five but the yeah. Canucks had a goalie who just wouldn't let a puck go in, which you're allowed to have, but it's not something you, you can't rely on your goalie going 975 throughout the playoffs uh, yeah. so you can win a Stanley Cup, right? You're you're just not going right. to be able to do that. Uh, and, you know, they, they obviously couldn't get it done in game seven. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of a testament to how far the Canucks need to go and how far, you know, teams like the Habs are going to need to go if they want to compete with, you know, this sort of other tier that it seems that, you know, the Colorado and Vegas uh, are playing on.
1: Yeah. So forget about whatever predictions we made prior to this
0: series. Is it still the same for you? Best of three, who wins? I'm still taking Colorado. On so seven. am I. So am I okay. I think Colorado's looked kind of shaky the last couple of games. And yeah. um, I, I like, yes, Vegas has been really good. I think Colorado has just been playing a lot worse as well. Uh, if Colorado mm. can just get back to their level, and, and start playing yeah. sort of that carefree hockey they were playing in that 7-1 win uh then i i do see them winning it again though you know i i think a big factor even if let's say colorado gets back up to that to their level if we're still talking about mark andre Fleury, you know who might win the vesna this year um yeah. that they have to get past a- and i think you know they mm. probably have the edge in net um so all things equal i'd give the edge yeah. to vegas however i don't think things are equal uh so i give the edge to colorado
1: Okay. Speaking of not being equal, the Islanders take a 3-2 series lead on Boston today. I admit, Parker, of the four series, this is the one that I'm probably the least interested in just because, I don't know, I'm
0: not interested, but mm. uh, close games, all of them. They're all very close games. And this is the one I've been the most wrong about, I think. Um, mm. Actually, Winnipeg-Montreal I was pretty wrong about, but that one I kind of <laughs> I kind of saw it going like, I thought every game would be close. Um, so honestly, yeah. the fact that Montreal won doesn't surprise me. The fact it was in four kind of does. Uh, yeah. I I really thought Boston was going to be just the much better team against the Islanders. There's something about the Islanders that they just, they don't seem good yet. They keep winning. And this, I like yeah. i don't, I don't get it. I don't know what yeah. it is that they're doing, but it just seems like other teams are sort of playing down and they have, they just play this <laughs> shutdown game that somehow keeps guys like Marchand and Pasternak and Bergeron from just putting up six goals a night uh and yeah i watch the games i just i don't see it like i don't don't, like i don't get what's going on here it's a weird mystery it's like the twilight zone that these guys are in uh that they're playing in and uh you know i guess the islanders could beat anybody right like i mean they're taking boston who looked really good in round one uh to the brink of elimination here that's going to go on wednesday uh the finale or potentially the finale for that series um just just wild uh yeah and we talked about it last week. How the Islanders are, aside from Matthew Barzell,
1: have all these nondescript players, right? The Josh Bailey's and the Brock Nelsons and the Jean Gabriel Pajot's and the Anthony Beauvilliers. There's all these guys that they're they're fine as players, but they don't scream superstar. No they don't
0: even. F- there's no flash yeah. there. There's no yeah. sizzle. It's just it's what? it's all steak. No sizzle. It's just guys who can just oh. go in there and get things done. Apparently.
1: Yep. Yeah. Right. But they get the job done, and that leads us to the last. Wow! What a crazy second period—an eight-goal second period in one of the games between Tampa and Carolina. Tampa's at three-one now, right? They're on yep, the
0: verge. Three-one. Yeah. Uh, we'll see that one go tomorrow at three-thirty uh, Pacific time. Yeah. yeah, that was a wild one. Uh, uh, Lightning one nothing after one. <laughs> Both teams score four in the second, and then Lightning win the yeah. third period one nothing, and they and they go home with a win and. Yeah, I don't really know what happened there, especially, you know, Tampa scores three goals in the last five minutes of the period to to take yeah. the lead back. Um, it's just, it's weird, right? Because you look at, I mean, um, you look at Nadelkovich, who had a great season. You look at Vasilevsky, who's an excellent goalie. These teams yeah. shouldn't be scoring 10 goals in a game, uh, yeah. but but they did, I guess, in, uh, yeah. in that one on Saturday.
1: And Kuch has been amazing. He's got 17 points, right? He's, he's leading the, the NHL playoff race, scoring race by a few points. So him and Stamkos, you know, it's all, it was almost like two free, free agent pickups, like at the end of the year, you know, obviously it's not, but yeah. What a, what a team them, I'd say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think Stamkos was much, you know, cap manipulation. There was a bit right. there, of course, but I think Kucherov was, was pretty, pretty clear, but again, Hate the yep. hate the game, not the player. At that point, you know if Tampa Bay is going to do that, um, and they have every right to, that's a problem with the NHL, not with Tampa Bay. That's right. that's smart work uh, by Julian Briezuel. And just before we get into your questions,
1: um, everyone, um, Parker, you you referenced this, and it's, I'm glad you brought it up. We've talked many times that there's no such thing as a Western Conference or an Eastern Conference, but we do know by Montreal uh, by virtue of them having the fewest regular season points out of everyone left, no matter yeah. who wins. You're right. They're going to come in as number four, Vegas or Colorado, because they tied for President's Trophy points. They will come in as number one. So we already know that that's the series. And then the winner of the other two series are going to meet in the other final. So likely uh, Tampa Bay against whoever. You got it. And then Montreal, as we heard yesterday, will be able to host games. At their arena, they do not have to adopt a U or get adopted by a U.S. city to play their games for the third and fourth round if they make it, which, which is years, great,
0: especially if they can get yeah. some more fans in there. I mean, they had the one game with twenty five hundred. Yeah, it didn't have a ton of life to it. Again, you're talking about a like a nineteen thousand seat, you know, arena. <laughs> it's it's sort of a, a an echo chamber, and you only have like twenty five hundred people in there, right? But if you can get yeah. that up to. Seven thousand, right? Yep. You know, then you're starting yep. to really make some noise in there, especially if you're getting, you know, if you can get those tickets into the hands of of some really rabid fans. uh sure. Then you know we're talking about you know a potential difference maker, especially since they're going to have to go into Colorado or Vegas, you know, oh, yeah. for for those yeah. games, and those those are going to be almost sold out, right? I don't know if they're doing right. like twelve thousand or whatever, but it's going to be a huge difference maker. Yeah. Vegas is actually full arena. It's yeah. crazy. yeah no and it looks like they got such a good show going on down there uh so yeah that's definitely going to be a uh a tough one uh for montreal as if the odds weren't stacked against them enough (laughs) (laughs) great
1: point so let's spend our last 10 minutes in the in the chat the chat box i guess Mm -hmm. and uh oh here's a good question from from um who do you guys think will win the selkie this year? I think it's really close. I had to look it up, and then, or I had to have someone tell me that it's uh, Bergeron, Barkov, and Stone. So the for the Selkie, the same as every year, pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. And then, and then, my first reaction was, it'd be cool, Barkov one, right? He's kind of the younger one of those three. But then I looked at the stats, Parker, and um, while well, Barkov and Stone have way more points than Bergeron, Bergeron and Stones plus minus are way better than Barkovs might be a bit because of the team whatever so stone really has the best combination of points i know it's best defensive forward but they give it to guys who who can score too so stone to me seems to be the odds on fair only because of his plus minus at, which speaks a little bit to defensive you know awareness and his actual offensive point total, but I'd be happy Barkov won, just someone younger, someone different. Yeah.
0: I I think if I had to put money on someone, it would be stone. Uh, But at the end of the day, like this is such a, it's such a weird award. That's kind of ambiguous that, you know, it's just like, I mean, it it could be Bergeron as well, or like it could be any of them. I don't know what the the hockey writers are thinking when it comes to this. Lots of them are old hockey men who are going to see Patrice Bergeron and just be like, all right, that's my number one um and yeah. you know, they, they just they literally look at plus minus uh and and you know go off that um or you know i i think i think it should be stone uh but again i haven't watched a ton of hockey outside the north this year uh anyways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay that's good um
1: okay a couple people asking for some for talk sure yeah um and, and i think you're the also Lucas just says Abbotsford thoughts 68 game season for the AHL Pacific Division. AHL mm-hmm. moving to a unified 72 game season when Palm Springs Kraken comes in in the following year.
0: Yeah, and this is what we um what we expected, right? That they'd go in that Pacific division, uh, which would be um I got it pulled up here. Basically Abbotsford, sure. Bakersfield, Colorado, Henderson, uh, Nevada ontario california san diego san jose stockton tucson right so basically mm. it's a nine team division uh basically the entire west coast um you know everyone in you know basically uh bc south um yeah right <laughs> at that point yeah. um yeah you know it'll be good um now there is rumors that seattle um their team isn't ready right they're, they're palm springs affiliate right Uh, And they're looking to make a deal with a team uh, unknown at this point um, on where to put their prospects and their their sort of their backup players. And I think the rumor is they the agreement needs to have room for like 12 of their players and a goalie, if I remember correctly. Uh, Obviously, the, the people immediately think, oh, well, Abbotsford's a new team. Maybe they'll sort of merge with Vancouver. I think the issue there is the border right at that Mm -hmm. point why wouldn't they partner up with a you know a team that's on that side of the board now abbotsford's closer to seattle than you know the teams in california uh, and arizona but i you know i i don't really know i could see it um and you know it would it would put some money in the aquilini's pockets um so again i don't again i don't have any inside information um it could really be anybody um i don't really i mean i don't want it to be uh, you know, the the Vancouver or the Abbotsford team. Um, but I mean, another side of it is it would probably make that AHL team better, right? The team that had access to two teams' prospects uh, and sort of second-tier players, uh, which might yeah. be good for Abbotsford, a fresh team. If they were competitive, right? Maybe they make the playoffs in the AHL. Mm-hmm. That would be good for business. At the, at the other side of it, though, it's like, hey, well, now the players in your system are getting less playing time, potentially. Uh, yeah. And that sort of, right? like Like, you don't want there to be let's say Seattle has a really good third string goalie. You don't want him splitting games with DiPietro, right? You want DiPietro to play 45 of those 68 games probably. Right. And we saw that. Yeah,
1: go ahead. And we saw that this year when Vancouver did St. Louis, a solid took some of St. Louis prospects onto Utica and then they were fighting over who gets to play games. Right. Like it's crazy. crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, there there's reasons for it. There's reasons against it. Yeah. Purely hockey wise. Probably not the best move, uh, but business wise, I could see, you know, good reasons, whether it's making the team more competitive for, for playoff run um, and things like that, then I could see it. Yeah.
1: I get a kick out of uh, Ontario because it sounds like Ontario, but it's, it's Ontario, California. And more importantly to, to string a couple of ideas together. That's where my cousin Dusty was the goaltending development coach for LA. That is the LA Kings development so you know how we talking about with LA draft Wallstead. well they have a guy he's played a bit in the NHL named Cal Peterson who they are yep. really really um, you know setting up as the successor to to Jonathan Quick which is cool but yeah well uh, Ontario always has a soft spot for me because that's where Dusty played and that's where he had to suit up to back up his son Jonah It's the first father's son goaltending tandem ever in pro hockey because all their main guys were injured or called up to the big club mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that, that story came out about four or five years ago so yes a bit of Ontario rain
0: uh, trivia for everyone out there. <laughs> Great. Um, now this is a fun one. Um, Daniel Wagner uh, put yeah. out an article today that I saw on Twitter as I was scrolling, and it, I, I the title was pretty um, inflammatory. It was basically like the yes, the Canucks should re-sign Brandon Sutter or something like that. Um, wow. This is a this is a fun topic. What do you think the Canucks should entertain the idea of of re-signing Brandon Sutter?
1: When I think of the word entertain, Parker, I think of bring a smile to someone's face. I think of of uh, lights. I think of fun. None of those things are Brandon Sutter, but in that all seriousness, be, that
0: might be the meanest thing you've ever said about anyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 I am actually fine. I, I would entertain. In all seriousness, him coming up as a three C. I, I would, but uh, this is obvious. At a proper Money amount and that's the magic number, right? Because if if you bring him in, he showed flashes. Yes, a hat trick, maybe in garbage time. Oh, actually, I don't, I don't even know his garbage time. He was fine. He was fine last year. He was actually pretty good in the bubble too. I remember seeing some. Hi- I remember doing some uh, commentary on him there. So, but it's the money, right? He, he, we can't pay him whatever he made. Four point two five or three. Whatever. What did he make? Like four, right? That's four, a lot. 4.375. five. Four three seven five. Okay, that's a lot of money for Sutter. It's a lot, but. If if he solidifies a bottom like, but do you come back with Sutter, Podolsen, and Mott as your no. third line? Like, no, I disagree. So you're, you're not. That, that's the one thing I disagree
0: with. You mentioned as a three C. Yeah, no, I don't want him to be an option. If if if. If the Canucks are considering having him as like, oh, he'll be our 4C, but he can fill in at 3C, then I say Mm -hmm. no. Uh, That's a problem if you're sort of relying on him as a fallback plan. And it's sort of the same thing I've thought about Alex Edler, right? Where, like, yeah, if you bring back Alex Edler, you're basically giving Travis Green the ability to play Alex Edler 25 minutes a night. And it's like, we need to be a little more creative here if we want to put a good (laughs) team together. And that's the thing I think about Brandon Sutter. If you are bringing Brandon Sutter back, To be your 4C, full stop, fourth line center, nothing more. Someone gets injured as your third C, bring someone up from Utica or Abbotsford at this point. Uh, Brandon Sutter Mm -hmm. is nothing more than a fourth line center. Pay him a million dollars a year, fine. Fine by me. That's a a good fourth line center at the end of the day. He's kind of old. You might want someone younger, but he can kill penalties. Fine 4C. That's all good and fine. But he should not be your 3C at any point. But yeah, he's good in the room. He's a fine fourth-line center. He's a fine penalty killer. I think it's fine to bring him back as long as it's cheap. Mm-hmm.
1: setter and beagle i've always i've been saying this for the past two seasons they're quite redundant players they're, they're not exactly alike they're not twinsies but they they kill penalties they're not bad when they're on their game in the faceoff circle they they give you good honest defensive effort and they're slow like so there's a bunch of stuff that they're that they're kind of the same yeah but yeah i i, I have time for your argument then if if we can find a three a three c whether that's miller which i don't agree with or or someone else
0: right and if you're if beagle comes back though and you're gonna have jay beagle as your four C because he's already under contract then yeah Mm -hmm. i don't see a spot for sutter right like you can i agree you can only have one of them uh in my opinion exactly so you know either get rid of beagle uh in some way if you're gonna bring sutter back uh or don't bring sutter back at all unless he's fine riding the bus in abbotsford uh because i just i think at the end or sitting in the press box uh a la louis erickson uh, cause at the end of the day, I just don't think uh, I don't think it's worth it uh to 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 use up that money on a the Canucks have more much more pressing needs than their fourth line center. Uh they have yes. much bigger holes to fill. Um they have enough they have enough fourth line forwards. <laughs> <laughs> so let's end with this one. Um
1: speaking of big decisions to make, CNS asked, do you think PD will make less than Matthew Barzell in his next contract. As we know, Barzell is
0: three years at seven million. So yeah. What says you, Parker? Seven million. Uh, if we're talking three years, I think it'll be close. Um, yeah. maybe I l- I don't think he'd make less. Uh I, I agree th- with you. I think it would be close though. I mean, when was that signed? That was signed this year. So he was coming off of a 60 point in 68 game season. Um those are uh, PD like numbers. Those are PD like numbers. Um yeah, yeah. and you know he is he is a center, but I think uh I don't know. I I just don't I don't see him making less than that. Uh, I could see maybe seven and a half uh at three Same. years. If it's if it's four years, then it's probably a little bit more even. Um but yeah, I don't think it's uh I, I think it'll be close. I don't think he'll make less. Uh, if he makes less, than then Jim Benning is is doing some great work, and he's been great at RFA signings mo- for the most part. Um, I mean, look at Bo Horvath's contract, for example. Um, mm-hmm. But it, yeah, I, I don't think he'll make less, though. I agree with you. At the start of the season, before we saw how bad they were, not, not they
1: were, the team was, and before everything happened with injuries to PD, I was thinking like eight to eight and a half for PD, and then... Six and a half to seven for, for Quinn. I back that down now. If it's a three-year deal, right? Long-term, it, it changes the numbers. But yes, I agree with you. I expect seven and a half for PD roughly for three. And for Quinn, you know, the Renskys and the McAvoys of the world, they're making five and a half. So I could see Quinn making maybe about six over three. And that's mm. that's the
0: numbers I'm looking at, seven and a half and five and a half to six. But spitballing, spitballing. Yeah, and I mean, man, Charlie McAvoy is underpaid right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he is so good i mean yeah yeah like people have mentioned like you know like the top 10 paid like highest paid defenseman in the nhl the top like 10th is 8 million dollars a year right mm. so if you're gonna pay quinn hughes you know close to eight then is he a top 10 defenseman in the nhl uh i don't maybe not, not yet. yet no like no. that's yeah. that's john carlson that's you yep. know oliver ekman larson uh Thomas that's and kill McCarr now. Yeah. And I mean Thomas Shabbat yeah. is, you know, the shining light in Ottawa. Like that's why he's making that much. But I mean, yeah. you're looking at guys like, you know, Aaron Eckblad makes seven and a half. Um, you know, guys like that, like uh Provorov's at just under seven. So, you know what does Petrangelo make? What does Petrangelo make? Uh, is he on that list? He might not be uh uh he makes eight point eight yeah for Vegas right now. But I mean that's all yeah, UFA last- years, right? So it's right. You know, a little bit different. That's fair. And last point I'll make about that contract is remember at the start of the year, we were talking
1: about the big four of Makar, Hughes, Hiskinen, and Dahlin. They're all going
0: to sign very similar contracts. I think Makar is going to get a little bit more than that. He is elevated. (laughs) Makar is so good. Uh, It's ridiculous. And I think, you know, when we were talking about the Calder uh, last year uh, and that sort of whole race, like I think him and like Makar and Hughes were pretty comparable But Makar has like, you watch him play and he is so dynamic. Uh, He is such a weapon uh, on that Colorado power play and just on the blue line. Uh, He is like, he, he's got Norris's in his future. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. That's fair. Totally fair.
0: Well, we're at 65 minutes. What do you say? All right. I'd say we wrap up. Uh, I got a bed calling my name and it's a (laughs) Monday night here um of course if you guys enjoyed the show hit the like button do all the good stuff Uh, hit subscribe if you're uh if you missed any part of the show you can rewind back to the beginning here on youtube you can go find it uh right after the show probably 35 minutes later on spotify and probably Mm -hmm. some point tomorrow morning uh probably by the time you wake up tomorrow morning on apple podcasts and all the other ones uh so they will be up there Uh, and if you are listening to a podcast uh version of it Uh, Go over to to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, five stars, uh, and say hello. uh, And we'll read it out on the show next week. Uh, Anyways, I think that's all we've got for this one. Thank you guys again so much for watching. uh, And we'll see you next week.